Good afternoon, Alex. How's it going, mate? Can you hear me all good? I hear you great. Jake, how are you? Thank you so much for inviting me here. That's okay, mate. I've I've just I've just seen all of your support on Instagram. You go around liking, sharing, commenting, and I just want to say thank you. It shows what kind of character you're portraying. You're not an Instagram snob. And um, <laughs> loving what you do. I do apologise, though. I didn't realise that you had a YouTube. I do now. I shall subscribe and start watching your videos. But um, it's good to meet you in person. What time is Thank it there, man? The How's it going words, in Florida? Man. Is it hot? Is it nice? Oh, it, it's it's really beautiful here right now. The sun is shining and it's pretty warm outside. I was just out on the animal sanctuary with uh, with our rescue geese. And I've worked up quite a sweat, so if if I'm sweating, it's because I just came in to meet you for this podcast. So yeah, how is it? No, how is look, it where you are? You I'm good, guessing man. cold. It's surprisingly not too bad. It will be in about three or four weeks, I should imagine. But at the minute, it's been quite a mild, um, quite a mild winter. I did go to Florida when I was about five, and um, the only nice. thing I can remember is the McDonald's having a net roof. Am I imagining that, or did, did that really happen? <laughs> I have no idea. I have no idea. <laughs> I've always. I haven't been to. A, I have not. I have not been to a McDonald's in like six or seven years since I moved down here. Yeah, yeah. I don't blame you, man. I don't blame you. I was. I, I'm. I've got very faint memories of, of Florida, but um, McDonald's with a net roof is one of them. Clearwater Beach was another one. <laughs> Oh, that's a beautiful um, place. I was just there a few months ago. Yeah, yeah, I, I do. I do remember that for some reason, um, but not quite anything else. But less about me, Alex. More about you. You are the owner of a animal sanctuary. Uh, my dream yes. would be to get away from humans and live on a <laughs> sanctuary with animals, and that's what exactly what you're doing. Uh, First of all, mate, before you get onto that, actually, what, why why are you vegan? How did it start? And then and then kind of get into the the sanctuary business, man. Yeah, sure. Uh, well, I went vegan probably ten years ago now, and I you know I've always loved animals, and I volunteered for dog rescues like the Lucas County Pit Crew back up in Ohio, and. That was saving pit bulls from abusive situations and dog fighting rings and things like that. So my, I saw some pretty gruesome animal abuse in that situation. So I was empathetic towards it. But for some reason, I never put it together in my brain that the food I was eating was just as horrific of animal abuse. And it wasn't until a good friend of mine asked me to watch vegetated with him and then right after that earthlings in the same night and i went vegan that night i just never looked back i saw that it hit me so deep to my core moved my soul and it never moved back i said i'm never going to support anything that contributes to that type of anim animal abuse again as uh as long as i am aware of it and have some power or choice to avoid it. Mm -hmm. And what age so was that, man? Was that yeah. 10 years uh, ago? How, how? I, I was 25 years old. Yeah, so I'm I'm about the same now. as me, 26, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Did, were, you, were you the same as me in the instance where you didn't give it a thought much beforehand? You, you'd heard the term veggie or vegan, and one day it's just entered your head and gone, wow, that's a crazy bit of business there yeah i guess it was just some level of self-awareness hadn't switched on yet and i don't yeah. know why but everybody kind of has that moment at different times with different triggers or whatever it is um and my sister's been vegetarian her whole life but i never thought about it in fact i've, I've made fun of her with my siblings about it and we're like you're weird uh and, and now I'm the weird one in the family. Even she's like, you're vegan. That's crazy. Like, no, they're very supportive. But, uh, like, I obviously uh, am a little more hardcore because of the vegan aspect of it where I'm 
you know, I don't partake in a lot of the same foods that we did growing up. Uh, but luckily, my family's wonderful. They've always been very supportive of it. Um, but uh, yeah, I guess I never thought about it. Even even with a vegetarian sister, I never considered it. And I don't know why that is. I've always loved animals. I've always loved people. Mm. And then it wasn't until I saw it happening in front of me in one of those documentaries that uh, that I put it together. Like those neurons connected and I'm like, oh, no, I need to not do that. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's crazy. The, funnily enough, uh, I had a I had a vegan food shop and there was a girl used to come in from Florida and she lives over here now. And uh, she was saying it's just full of farms, man. Like the US is just full of farms and because it's so far from yes. from each place, you know, it's, it's quite difficult to do. And, you know, it, over in the UK, you're just never far away from someone who's vegan or something that's vegan. Um, food everywhere. We're quite lucky. Have you found it hard being in the, being over there? How has it been the last ten years? Or is it is it? Do you live in a city? Is it is it is it quite popular? Or have you struggled? I have not struggled mainly because I've never been one to go out to eat much. I only do it for social obligations. So I am like, when it comes to food, I am so basic. Like, I'll just get like a bag of apples and like a bottle of pro pea protein powder. And I'm like, I'm good. I can live off this. And my wife obviously thinks that's insane. She's a registered dietitian. So she's a little more fancy with her palate and makes up wonderful dishes and everything like that. But I've never had an issue. We don't go out much to do anything. We live out in the country, actually, at the Animal Sanctuary, mm. which is Karma Farm Sanctuary. Uh, so my wife and I run Karma Love Farm the name, Sanctuary. Man. Love the name. Thank you. Uh, we're out here farming good karma. And uh, we don't farm animals. We farm karma. So yeah, uh, that's that's man, what we do. And Really good name. Thank you. Thank right, you. It took a long time to come <laughs> up with the name. <laughs> Matt, going back onto the plain food, I, I saw yeah. a picture like 10 minutes ago of you with a, a bowl of peas. Yes. And um, I'm, I'm quite plain uh, with my food choices, but um, how, how did that go, the bowl of peas? Oh, I eat one pound of plain peas every day. That's like one of my staples. I, I try to eat. Really? Like I just, it's a one pound frozen bag of peas. It's so easy. All I do is like microwave it for like a few minutes and then I just eat it plain. And when I do that, like I feel great. And uh, it really fills you up, full of good protein. Since it's frozen, you know, they fr they freeze it at peak ripeness, so all the nutrients and everything uh, are, are still in there. Obviously, then I microwave it. But, uh, you know, I'm not yeah. perfect, so I'm not, like, a perfect, like, raw vegan, whole food, plant-based raw vegan or anything. But um, yeah. I try to eat a significant amount of whole foods in my diet, whether that's, like, the pound yeah. of peas a day, a couple apples, a couple bananas – and then whatever, uh, what, and then my wife makes like two or three meals yeah. each day. And they're like, they've got like tofu scrambles in them and all sorts of fancy things. Yeah. That's uh, way beyond yeah. my level of culinary art. So <laughs> I'm, I'm forgive me. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to work out what, um, one pound is, is it 2.2 kilo or is one kilo 2.2 pound? Cause that's a lot of peas, Correct. man. The second one. So what? Uh, a kilogram, I think, is uh, two point two pounds. So oh, it's like okay. it's so like eating... it's like it's like a, it's like half a kilo. I, I eat half a kilo of peas a day. That's a... Yeah, I know the bag. <laughs> That's uh, I think yeah. I think I have about hundred gram at a time. So yeah, you're having you have a big amount of peas, man. <laughs> it's uh, it's mad. And you're yeah. a big, you're a big chap, man. You 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 obviously you're into your you. your building. You're into your your nutrition. Did that start after? the switch to veganism or is that something that you've always been into um how, how, what's the story with that i've always been an athlete and growing up i was uh, a high performing athlete i was a district one state uh qualifier in wrestling in high school and so i wrestled since from like age 11 to 18 and uh, I also went to the state meet in uh, cross country a few years and uh, track. 
So I was a distance runner and a wrestler. And in the off season from wrestling, I would bulk and I would be reading my uh, Encyclopedia of Modern Bodybuilding by Arnold Schwarzenegger as a kid. That was my favorite book. I'd just like sit in my basement reading my bodybuilding encyclopedia and lifting weights. I had a weight set in my basement and I would just like, I would get jacked all summer and then I would cut weight during cross country season in the fall. And then by the time I got to wrestling season, I would be able to make weight at my target weight class. And I did that every year from junior high all the way till I graduated from high school. And then I went to college and got busy with engineering and entrepreneurship fell off my fitness a little bit. Then I graduated college, went, uh, and then I went to, uh, and then after college, a whole bunch of crazy stuff happened, but, um, eventually I got back into bodybuilding again, probably around age 24. And, uh, and then I've been bodybuilding since then on and off. And yeah, so I was bodybuilding before I went vegan but mm. then when I went vegan, I did not notice any difference. So you could bodybuild whether you're vegan or not vegan. It does not matter. You can, you can do the exact same things to your body in terms of building muscle and losing fat, regardless of your dietary preference. As long as your calories mm. are dialed in and your macros, you're basically good. Uh, micronutrients mm. to an extent play a role, but most people are fine on that if they take a multivitamin, but, um, that's, that's basically how I've been doing it. And, uh, I really kind of kicked things up a notch this past year because, um, as you mentioned, I have a YouTube channel and about two years ago, my YouTube channel took off and I went into mm. overdrive with working and I would work 20 hours a day, sometimes more. And I would sleep like three, four hours a night at best for about a year straight and my body fell apart. So sleep's very important. Wow. Yeah, I got so skinny fat, man. Like I was all cortisol, just all adrenaline, just trying to make my business work. And it did. My business is very now is very successful now and helps and it's what supports our animal sanctuary and our lives and everything. Mm. But uh I it was not sustainable. So at some point I hit a I I saw I looked at myself in the mirror. One day, like a little over a year ago, maybe a year and a, a couple months. And I was like, what has happened to me? I used to be so jacked, but I let myself go because I, I work too much now and I, I don't um, prioritize fitness and my health. So um, I readjusted my priorities and I carved out time for bodybuilding again and a little more time for sleep. And then since then, mm. I've. Ba like the transformation in just this past year has been incredible going from like super skinny fat uh to where I am now like I I'm not I'm not huge or like super ripped but um uh, I've put on quite a bit of bit of muscle and I've lost a significant amount of fat just doing uh traditional bodybuilding but you know with a vegan twist obviously yeah well you're big enough man you you definitely you definitely want you know in the in the top half of the um... The, the, the bigger vegans that I've met, you know what I mean? hundred percent, man. So Thanks, you're man. doing something right. <laughs> but yeah, going Appreciate on to the sleep that. thing, it's, I mean, first of all, you know, fair play for working so hard and getting it off the ground, man, because if I was to have four Thanks. hours sleep a night, man, I'd just go straight for the fridge and I'd be eating <laughs> shit all day. Um, and it, it, yeah. there is a link between it, isn't that? You know, having bad sleep and having cravings for, for bad food. So, um, but yeah, yeah, you needed to do what you needed to do to get off the ground, and I'm glad it's going well. Um, Thank you. Is that linked to the Animal Sanctuary, or did you kind of build up a different YouTube channel which now funds it, or how, how did you get into that, and, and when did you decide that you wanted to um, look after and, and build a sanctuary? So we started the animal sanctuary five years ago and we incorporated as a nonprofit organization in Florida uh, about four years ago. And then earlier this year, we got our 501c3 charity designation, which means all donations are now tax exempt. So people, when they you know make a donation, they can write it off on their taxes and, and everything like that. So we're officially a 501c3 uh, nonprofit charity now. 
And uh, yeah, but we've been doing it for five years. We started out doing it just because there was a need and we didn't have, you know, all the administrative stuff like figured out. We didn't know anything about that. We just, somebody's like, this pig is going to die. We're going to kill this pig tomorrow unless somebody can come rest, can come take this pig. And we're just like, uh, and then we rescued the pig. Um, and there was a couple rescues before that. Uh, we rescued a, a flock of ducks and our goose Godric, which is where my online persona name comes from. Yabonks is one of our goose's nicknames. So Godric Bonks the goose was one of our first rescues. He was in a really bad situation when we found him and we rescued him and fixed him up built him a pen over overnight and then fenced him off a little pasture over the following weeks. And we just figured it out, you know, the animals needed help. And we hit the ground running, stayed up all night doing this. We made it work with our jobs. And, uh, and then it just grew from there as we networked with the other animal sanctuaries in the area. Cause we were asking them for advice. Like, what do we do? How do we treat Bumblefoot that this goose we rescued has? What uh, what parasites do we need to treat for? How how do you guys do your quarantine procedures? And we were we got so much help from other sanctuaries like Live Freely Sanctuary, uh, Sage Sanctuary, Peacefield, uh, Kindred Spirits, and Critter Creek. A lot of the sanctuaries around here. It's a really great community where everybody is trying to help the animals. So, um. They were, they freely shared their experience and information with us and helped us out. And as we learned more and got more networked in to these rescue networks, situations would pop up where we would be the only ones in a position to be able to help a specific animal. And we would go in, get the animal out. We would rescue them from a bad situation, get them the medical help they need, and then build them the infrastructure they need for a forever home here and then learn how to care for them for their whole lives. And that was five years ago. It just started like that. Now we're over 30 plus full-time residents and we're constantly expanding and we facilitate rescues all over the Southeastern United States now through these rescue networks. And if we don't have the resources or space, money or infrastructure at the time to take in an animal in need, then we find the people who can that are trusted and vetted through us or the or the rescue community and then we get the animals the help they need so it's a it's an it's a ongoing process um and then you know you have to do that while you're working full-time jobs generally unless you have like a trust fund or something like that like if you came for money maybe it's a little different story but um you know we we had to bootstrap this thing with our own personal finances and donations are very low in general for most small animal sanctuaries. So we had to fund this with our jobs and eventually my YouTube channel about two years ago, like I said, took off and it's in the cryptocurrency and decentralized finance space. I'm a software engineer by, uh, by trade and by study. And I educate people on how to trade uh, cryptocurrency and how to analyze decentralized finance projects and things like that. And my whole YouTube channel kind of blew up into a podcast like yours, where I interview um, entrepreneurs in the decentralized finance space. And I ask them business questions about their business plan. And uh, that's how I've grown my community and audience over there. And that's how I now fund the animal sanctuary. And it's freed us up from our day jobs to where now we can put in all that time into the animal sanctuary and my business. And now it's just like pour the gasoline on and go full speed, full steam ahead, building this business to scale the animal sanctuary and the rescue efforts that we can do. Yeah, that's quality, man. That, that's, that's big. I understand what goes into building a business. So I've done it myself. I'm not, I'm nowhere near where I want to be, but I have got it off the ground and there's a lot of work that people don't see. And to, um, yeah. To, to, to kind of build that up and build the sanctuary up and then decide to fund it completely from the other one. Uh, I can imagine that was just twice the twice the work, right, man, twice the load. 
Um, it's it's crazy. Dark, You're an entrepreneur. Dark. You know how crazy it is. Just just oh, being man. an entrepreneur, like and trying to make that leap, even just in your yeah. personal finances. Like you got a family, you you have to support, and you you can't fail. I, I mean, you can fail. Obviously, entrepreneurship is all a lot of failure, and then you break through and have success, mm-hmm. right? But it's yeah. it's definitely scary at times, right? Yeah. Oh man, yeah, I can imagine the the roller coaster of emotions that you've been on as well. Um, not only trying to get your YouTube off the ground, which you've finally done, but on the animal side, I can imagine that you, you know, you, you you're rescuing an animal and then you rescue a few more animals, and then you wake up one morning and you see a shit video of a CAFO farm or something, mm. and I can imagine that it kind of hits you your motivation but you've obviously carried on and got through it have, have there been any times where you've you've been at a low point and gone that is that is enough kind of thing or have, have you been quite because because you, your energy is high plenty man, of times yeah all the oh plenty of times there's so many times where i'm just like oh you know time to time, time to throw in the towel and blow my brains out like you know you know what i mean not really yeah. don't don't call don't call uh a, a psychologist or anything, but this is this is hard work, and psychologically, it fucks with you. Excuse my language. I don't know if this is a PG-rated show or not, but it really fucks with you nah, nah. to see. Where away, man? All right, all right, cool. Um, <laughs> when you work at a sanctuary, uh, you see firsthand animal abuse, and you see these animals in really bad states or conditions. Some of them are literally just hanging on for their for their life in the moment and you have to like balance that. And sometimes they die in your arms. Um, and even harder is when you rescue an animal, you, you, you rehabilitate them and then you care for them every single day for years. They become a family member and then they die from natural causes or whatever. And that hits you just as hard as if you lost your dog or cat or whatever. Like I've always had pets my whole life, but every, however many years, 10 years, a family pet would die. And it's like one of the hardest things ever that it's like that, but multiple times a year at a sanctuary. And that was one of the hardest things for me to, to really learn how to deal with was just constant grief. And, uh, and I think what helped me be strong in those situations is realizing that I'm on a mission Right. And my mission is to save animals and give them a better chance at another life, a good life, one full of love and compassion. And if I do that and then they pass on, you know, they leave this life. To me, that's a successful rescue. That is the closing of a chapter of a job of a job well done. Right. And it hurts. Right. I miss them. But at the same time, I have to realize, like, I'm on a mission. I think I'm on a mission from God. And I have to just keep going because there are more that need to be saved. And there's more work that needs to be done. So I can't let that stop me. I still have to get up the next day. I still have to care for the animals. I still have to make this money. I still have to do all these things because these animals all still depend on me. And then there are others out there that we are in the position to help. So mm. that helps me get through that part of it, which is psychologically, you know, it, it really, it fucks with your head. And, uh, and as you mentioned yeah. earlier, you go online and you see just like video after video after video of horrific animal abuse in these consolidated animal feed operations, the CAFOs and other things like at rodeos or the running with the bulls or just anything really uh, the fur trade, like you see this horrific stuff, uh, you know, fishing operations and like you see this really dark stuff all the time. So for anybody who's vegan or anybody who loves animals in general, if you see that stuff, it's traumatizing. We all, I think as vegans have some level of shared trauma from seeing this stuff. And uh, I think we all have to learn how to deal with that. So... Like, how do you deal with that, Jake? Oh, mate, I, 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 I spoke with um, Patrick off Foolproof Mastery the other day, and we spoke about that, saying, I think you get to a point where, not not for you, because you're, you're on another level, but for me, you just go numb after a bit, and I think you just kind of see it. 
you don't let you yourself get too involved in what you see and you just kind of give it a like, give it a share and, and carry on. But funnily enough, I was the same as you. We watched Earthlings. The missus started crying. 10 minutes, we turned it off. That was enough, man. That was enough to uh, make the switch from veggie to vegan. Um, yeah, I think some days are worse than others. Some days you'll kind of see one or two and then you'll be like, oh God, you know what I mean? And then some days you're just like, look, I know this is happening. I'm doing what I can. Um, you know, let's get through it. So I, I know exactly, I, I know exactly how you feel. Um, how, how would you, how would you respond to someone saying, I mean, because even meat eaters, man, like idiots aside, let's just take your average meat eater. They will ad openly admit it is ridiculous how we have dogs for pets and then we put mm -hmm. pigs into gas chambers. It's ridiculous how we stroke a cat um, and then, you know, do what we do to cows and whatever. From someone who has so many different animals, how would you, what, what's your view on that particular topic of, you know, all animals should be treated the same, you know, speciesism shouldn't be a thing. What, what's your view on that? Well, I think inherently all of us are speciesist, whether we say we are or not. You know, if if a tick is biting you or a mosquito bites you, like, you're, you're probably going to hit it, hit the mosquito or rip the tick off of you or something and hurt it. Um, or, like, you know, you walk on grass or you, you pull out plants. So, like, I... We all have a levels of speciesism, if you will, and we all have to draw our lines somewhere, right? And for me, it's animals. If I can, like, if I can see an animal, like, if I can empathize with its feelings, uh, in in any, like, whether it's a a cow or a dog or a cat yeah. or a, or a squirrel or a mouse or whatever, and I can empathize with it and like understand it, I can feel it. Uh, I, I. I don't want any harm to come to it. Now, if it's like a, a, a tick that is actively biting me with a potentially deadly disease or something, like I'm going to, I'm going to get it, get it off of me. And some people I'll probably get flack for saying that or something, but I'm not Gandhi, right? I'm, <laughs> I, I'm doing my best out here. And I think even meat eaters, I truly believe they believe that they're doing their best too. And I truly believe that they love animals too just like I did when I was a meat eater. And that's why I always try to come at that from a sympathetic and compassionate position where we're all at different stages and we've all had different experiences. So I try not to judge others for, you know, where they are or what they believe in at any time, because at some point in my life, I was probably the exact same and then, and then look at me now, I'm a completely different person. So mm. I always try to come at that sympathetically thinking like, th this is probably a good person, right? This person's probably mm. a good person. And I think uh, if they had the same experiences that I have, then they would probably be vegan too. Um, so if they go vegan now or in the future or never, like that's, not something I can really control. I, you know, you can't control what people do, but um, you can always uh, you can always lift other people up and be kind to them. So I try to lift other people up and be kind to them, and then they're much more uh, open to how I live my life. Mm. And maybe maybe they'll they'll see something that I'm doing and think, hey, that's cool. Maybe I want to do that too. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Now I love the energy, man. I love the enthusiasm. You know, you. obviously before you were, you probably like me, you were just a, a gym goer, a meat eater, meat four yeah. or five times a day. I'll get people say to me, oh, you know, I've, I've, I've stopped drinking milk and I've, I've done this and, you know, and they ask me for advice on nutrition and stuff like that. You, you've gone from the same as me to running um, an animal sanctuary and, and obviously rescuing hundreds and thousands of animals. What, what response have you got from people? you know, from go, from changing, you know, such a, a big thing. Your lifestyle has obviously gone from one extreme to another. What kind of response have you, have you had from that? Oh, man. Um, mainly positive. Almost all the feedback mm. I've gotten has been positive. And, you know, I'm not one to really attack people. Or I, I know some people are more combative and argumentative or 
maybe they'll grandstand and and stuff like that. But like, I'm just trying to chill and live my life. And like, so I actually I'm kind of low key, even though my whole life, I guess, is predicated on being a public figure at this point. But, uh, you know, I'm just trying to do me and be as kind to as many people that I come across as possible. So and and, and animals, too, obviously. But uh, that, I think, has mm. had I think that is just uh, reciprocated, I guess, where people are generally like very nice and kind to me, uh, which I, I totally appreciate. Super grateful for that. And uh, even if they have completely different beliefs, um, you know, they still show me uh, kindness and respect and and things like that or say, hey, it's great what you're doing. Uh, keep up the good work, even if they eat animals. Right. And and I always just think like. They re- uh, they really believe that, too. Um, but, you know, people are ambiguous with and cognitive dissonance is a real thing. And like I said earlier, maybe my like those two neurons haven't connected quite yet where like I for whatever reason, my brain had a block where I wouldn't put it together that what I was doing with my lifestyle was contributing to animal abuse. And mm. um and I always have to remember that because maybe the person I'm talking to that is being so nice to me, maybe they just haven't made that connection either. So I don't mm. ever try to attack them for that or anything. Uh, and and generally the feedback I've gotten has been good. Now, I'm a crypto YouTuber. I talk about finances and things like that. So when there's money involved in anything, that's a whole different story. I have actually gotten like death threats back when I first started my channel. That kind of caught me off huh. guard. Uh, but if, when you're a YouTuber and you know, you're a, a podcaster, uh, eventually you're going to start getting like flack and hate from people, no matter what. So there are trolls oh, and yeah. things out there. They'll take the time to go to your page and say something mean. And I always just think the problem's not me. If that person is yeah. going out of their way to spend their time to leave a hateful comment on any of my accounts, they have a problem and I feel bad for them. So you shouldn't feel bad about yourself in those situations. You should, you should feel bad for that person. And then that really helps with approaching it with some like empathy or sympathy and, and and compassion where instead of snapping back and like hitting them with, with, uh, you know, with, with a mean comeback, I just like I just try to like sh- shower them with love basically because this person's obviously hurting, right? Yeah, like, I, I'm the same. I actually had a phone call the other day, not even a comment. Someone called my phone and started abusing me what? down the phone, saying they're no going to destroy way. me and destroy my business. They're going to do this and that. Yeah, and um, I basically just sent them a text message and said, um, you know, I'm upset that you don't like my hair. I put a lot of time and effort into it. Um, <laughs> Your hair looks great. You know, I, I, I'm, <laughs> thank you. I, I'm sending you uh, your best wishes. You know, you're obviously not happy. Um, and I wish yeah. you the best. I hope that you overcome whatever problems you may have. And uh, I didn't get a text back, which was strange. But um, whoever it was, I wish them well. But now you do well to, to kind of keep you cool as well. Because sometimes, you know, it's, it's just the certain comments that, that warm you up. Um, but it must be something in the Florida air as well. Because uh, John, John, the bodybuilder, is... Uh, He's the same as you. He uses the the enthusiastic and positive and healthy, vibrant approach. So um, it's good to see, man. Um, he, he's a I'm great guy, by the way. He's he's a really close yeah. friend of mine. He, he's one of my best friends down here. And uh, yeah, he's a wonderful person. So when I find people with that same energy and vibe, I try to keep them around and just, you know, it's a rare thing when somebody is that positive and they put in that much effort to try to make the people around them feel good. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Are you, are you very local then, are you? You too? Yeah. He lives about two hours away from me. So I live in uh, around, I live around Gainesville, <laughs> Florida, and he oh. lives down in Tampa. So I'm laughing. You know why I'm laughing, don't you? Why is that? Because uh, <laughs> local, local to us is like five minutes, but obviously over in the US, <laughs> local is, is two hours. Like, our class, yeah, our class, yeah. Lon- our class, London is another planet, and that's like two hours away. So, 
Um, it's it's quite weird to uh, to hear it, but yeah, the US is massive, isn't it? And um, yeah, to ever drive, a lot of, just a, a lot of driving. I'm yeah. actually uh, we, working out with with him tomorrow, so he'll be up here near Gainesville, and we're gonna go and, and do arm day tomorrow. So it'll be a lot of fun to see him again. Oh man, two two big chaps going at it. Is is that is Gainesville an actual place, or is that just the name of the gym, or? No, that's 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 the city. It's Gainesville. No, yeah, <laughs> I, I do love the name though. Like, yeah, we're going to Gainesville tomorrow to get these gains. I thought it was like the name of the gym or something. <laughs> Quality. I love it, man. I love it. You're the first Alex. person to actually say that, but I've I've thought that before, and you're the first person to actually verbalize it. I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This probably just goes over your head because it's like a, a local a local place, isn't it? I've um, yeah. yeah I mean. Back on with the sanctuary, mate. Just utmost respect for what you do, and obviously it's um, it's growing, and people are taking notice of it, and it's, it's it's a unique thing, man. So yeah, respect for that. Um, going on to obviously food, and you're a big bloke. You've said that you've been training for over ten years. What do you do? You track calories? Do you track protein? Do you eat just peas and just hope for the best? What 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 do you do on a daily basis, man, to uh, to to build to get the gains in in Gainesville? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> at, you know, at this point, um, I've got it kind of dialed in without like weighing my food. I can kind of feel it out. Now, I am not training for like a bodybuilding competition, so like I am not mm. weighing my food to get like the exact you know, 6%, 5% body fat for a competition like, like John was doing. Um, for me, it's more of just like a, a hobby and a lifestyle. It's something I love doing. It helps keep me strong. You know, if I'm out here lifting hay bales or chopping wood or digging holes or lifting up 200 plus pound pigs that are fighting frantically, like being strong helps in those situations big time. So running an animal sanctuary, it's good that between my wife and I, and she's tiny, by the way, she's very strong and tough, but she's very tiny. It's good to have somebody here that, you know, has uh, a, a fair amount of strength. And uh, so for me, it's just part of my lifestyle to, to be the best sanctuary owner I can be. And also just to like look and feel good. And it's kind of cool when someone's like, hey, wow, you're, you know, you're big, man. And then they later hear that I'm vegan and they're like, wait, what you're vegan. And it just kind of like blows their mind and like plants a little seed in their head that I think shatters a lot of the disillusionment and misconceptions that people have about what vegans are like, because we're all different and we can all be whatever we want to be and be the people that, you know, we each are because we all have different genetics and everything like that, different lifestyles, but you can, uh, you can always, optimize your potential in whatever athletic uh, domain that you want, whether it's long distance running or MMA or bodybuilding or gymnastics or football or soccer or, or, or just being uh, the, you know, a healthy fit version of yourself. So I think it's good when people like you or John uh, or there's so many other great examples out here, uh, Brooke Seller, Miss Meatless Muscle, and so many others that are just uh, great role models for for people, and they're just they just shatter all the stereotypes just immediately. So like the argument that oh vegans are weak, soy boy, beta, blah 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 blah. No, it's not. None of that's actually true. It sounds funny to say, it, and it's you know. It's worth a laugh, but at the same time, it's uh, it's generally very far from the truth. And I think, you know, in any demographic of people, you're going to have a percent of people that are in great shape. And you're going to have a significant percentage of people that aren't, whether they're vegan or omnivorous or whatever. So I, I think it just comes down to lifestyle choices at the end of the day, uh, no matter what you're eating uh dietary wise like your preference you you could get yeah. big and jacked if you want to it's just are do you have the dedication and commitment to to work out you know four or five six times a week or to eat the exact you know not the exact calories but around the right amount of calories you need mm -hmm. to grow 
and uh, at the minimum amount of protein for your uh, for your lean body mass. So for me, I don't count calories. Um, I ballpark it, and I average my weight. I weigh myself every morning, and I just average it out over the week. So it takes out the fluctuations in water weight and hormones and stuff. And that way I can see my general trend. Like, am I, am I growing right now? No. Okay. Maybe add in another 250 calories or 500 calories somehow, maybe a peanut butter sandwich or something. Like I'll throw that in and see if uh, I start growing again. Um, and that's basically how I do it. And for protein, I just try to hit like, I don't know, a little bit less than maybe a pound uh, per uh, a gram of protein per pound of body weight. So mm. like and th- even that's overkill. If you read the studies, like we all consume like too much protein generally in terms of bodybuilders, like some people like two grams of protein per pound of body weight. And it's like, you know, point seven five grams per pound of body weight. It is mm. uh, plenty enough to build uh, muscle on a bodybuilding reg- regimen. But I still aim for a, a gram per pound because it's easy math in my head. And mm. and then uh, and that's basically all I do. I, I aim for that. If I come up a little bit short on a day, I don't worry about it because I know I'm already getting more than enough. And then I just have to have mm. the, enough calories to be able to increase my weight. And then if I'm cutting body fat... I just do the opposite. I just take off 250 or 500 calories a day. I just remove something and then I just watch and see if the scale starts going down. And I just eyeball, eyeball myself in the mirror and I'm like, how's my low, lower belly fat looking? And I just check it. Like if my belly button's like looking funny from like the fat coming out around it, I'm too fat. I've bulked too much time to do a mini cut. And then I cut that back till my, you know, my abs are looking pretty good. And then I continue bulking. Um, so I try not to let myself get above a certain percent of body fat. I generally eyeball myself. And if I'm looking like I'm 15 to 17% body fat, then, uh, then I start a a cut until I'm back into a little healthier range. Um, but I've been doing this so long. I can, I can eyeball it. Cause I, I I grew up wrestling and stuff. So I've, I've been cutting weight my whole life so I can, really kind of eyeball these things decently well yeah i agree with that because i'm, I'm always between 70 and 80 kg sometimes i'm 78 sometimes i'm 72 and when i coach people i say look i don't i don't want you to weigh yourself and they're like oh surely i need to weigh myself i'm like no i can literally wake up in the morning put my hands on my abs uh, or my I wouldn't call them abs but maybe one day they'll be abs but somewhere down on my stomach <laughs> and you can feel you can feel whether it's whether what I've done in the last few days is, is enough. And, you know, whether I'm 76, 74, 72, it doesn't matter. Um, so I just, you know, I just tell them, stand in the light and take a picture in the same light every week. You know, you, you can kind of work it out, can't you? So I think yeah. I've weighed myself about seven times in my life, I think, <laughs> or something. So, um, yeah, I, I think you can. If you know your body well, you can kind of, you can kind of do it, can't you? John yeah. mentioned tofu and I said, look, I can't get more than 140, 160 unless I really shove some tofu or something down my throat. Um, there's a lot of myths around it. He's not scared one bit. What would your reply be to someone who says, you know, you should only be eating 40 gram of tofu per day? I'm guessing that you eat a lot of soy, um, as does John. What's your opinion on soy? Yeah. I do not worry about it one bit. And my wife, Good. as I mentioned, is a registered dietitian, and she did her master's paper, her thesis on soy consumption and the phytoestrogens in soy and the effects on humans. And she went through all the meta studies looking over that looked over dozens and hundreds of studies on this. And she did her whole thesis on this. And her conclusion was it does not negatively affect humans in any way. In fact, the benefits are actually positive where mm. the, it has brain protective effects as well as um, the phytoestrogens. They do not activate the estrogen receptors in the same way as human uh, estrogen molecules do. And if those estrogen molecules, uh, those estrogen molecules can actually help block uh, some human estrogen from places like 
uh, your, your, uh, like your, your, uh, your, like your nipples, like your, your glands there. So people concerned about getting gyno or things like that because they eat too much estrogen. Um, that's, that's not true. There was one case study I remember where there was this crazy guy who ate 20 blocks of tofu a day and it's a one person study. It's anecdotal. Um, and that guy had gyno. Uh, so a lot of people reference something like that, but that is just bad science, bad studies, and it does not negate the hundreds of other studies that say uh, the exact opposite. So I don't worry about it one bit. In fact, I think it's a healthy part of a diet, and especially if you're getting something like if you're if somebody's very focused on like health, you know, get the non-GMO organic stuff so you minimize the amount of like pesticides or like GMO stuff that. You know, you you don't you might be trying to avoid or whatever. But in terms of like a protein source, it's fantastic. It's uh it's super cheap too. Which I mean you can't beat it. Dollar like uh you know, the dollar per protein is just uh or the protein per dollar. It's so cheap. Like if somebody buying chicken breasts or something, they're gonna spend like 50, 60 bucks a day if they're bodybuilding sometimes. I've heard of this recently with inflation and stuff. Um and I'm like, that is just insane. Um, where you could, you know, 10 bucks in, in, in tofu and you'd be getting more protein than that. Um, and soy is a complete protein, which a lot of people don't know. Cause you know, they say, oh, legumes like beans, uh, aren't a, a complete protein in, uh, in ideal ratios or whatever, but that's why you eat a grain with it. And then the grain and the legume makes a perfect mix of the ratios to get you a complete protein however soy Mm. which is a legume is a complete protein it's one of the Mm. few that just fully it's a complete protein source so that's a wonderful option in my opinion uh you don't have to do too much thinking about it now you do have to cook it and do stuff with it so for me i don't do it i don't go out of my way to eat tofu my wife like i said she's uh, she's uh, she's fancy and she cooks. She cooks food and stuff. I don't. I'm a basic bitch when it comes to food, man. I'm just like I, I like if I don't if I have to cook it or do something with it, out of just like avoidance of more work, I will not do it. I'll just like reach in and just eat something raw or cold, and I'm cool with that. I'll just chug a protein shake or something with pea protein powder, just like cheap, easy. So I'm, I'm just trying to do everything as cheap and easy as possible. And it's, it's uh, I'm probably a, why. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's probably why you've just got so good results. And because you're just no nonsense approach, you know what I mean? Like you're just going, I'm going to eat a bowl of peas. I'm now going to have yeah. a shake. I'm now going to have six apples. And people just love the aesthetics, don't they? Whereas. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's not going to get you results, is it? You know, you can make something look nice. It but can. If you're not doing it can, what but it's required, a lot of work. Yeah. You know, unless, you know, and that's why a lot of people for bodybuilding do meal prep where they'll make like a big fancy meal in a huge bulk batch and then they'll put them in containers. Uh, And I think you actually run a business that does something like that. Is that right? Yes, mate. You gave us some support earlier. I did see it. So thank you. (laughs) Is it, is it Purito? That's the one, mate. Yeah. Yeah. We've gone from hot food to cold food preps. Um, Yeah. It's, uh, it's just like starting again really so we're just trying to get back off the ground yeah but thanks for the support of course man i love supporting entrepreneurs and i especially love supporting vegan entrepreneurs i think it's a wonderful thing and what you're doing with like that meal prep stuff is perfect for somebody who wants an easy way to do bodybuilding because they could probably work with you or like uh, in their area a company that does something similar if they're if they're willing to, you know, save the time to pay for it, where the food would be prepared for them in batches that could hit their calories and macros that they want and have the the taste and the aesthetics that they're looking for. Because a lot of people, uh, and I, everyone's different, right? So I'm a crazy person, yeah. but a lot of like most normal people, I think, love aesthetically pleasing food where they're, you know, they're like good food is a beautiful part of life or whatever. I am just like, I I don't know. I, I am just like a machine or something where I'm just like, I need these calories. I need these nutrients. I need this amount of protein. I don't really care. 
what it tastes like or where it comes from. Um, so yeah. for me, uh, it does not matter. I'll just eat whatever I, I can find like an animal, but, uh, I eat like the same stuff our animals eat basically like around here. Our animals eat really <laughs> well, by the way, they, like, but, uh, yeah. I don't prepare big meals or anything. My wife does. So I actually am blessed in that regard where like two or three times a day, she'll make something fancy like breakfast burritos or like a, a stir fry or something. And I'll have vegetables and like beans and rice or tofu scramble or whatever. And then on top of that, I just throw in the extra stuff I need to hit my calories, my carbs and my protein for the day. So I'll just drink a few, maybe pea protein shakes throughout the day my pound of peas, some apples here and there to get my carbs up before a workout, maybe some bananas and then just like multivitamin, multimineral. And it, it works so good for me. Um, so I, I am blessed to have yeah. a partner like that, you know? Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. It's just good. how You can stick to your sim simplicity in the day and then obviously know that you've got a nice big vegan lasagna or something coming on the night from the, from the yeah. wife. So Nice, and that makes nice it hard for me to like you. calorie count, you know, yeah. uh, cause yeah, yeah, she's yeah. not counting the calories or macros or anything. So I really do kind of have to feel it out with my body. Um, yeah. and if you listen to your body and you, and you dial it in, you can generally tell when you've had more calories than normal in a day or less. And, uh, mm. and then you can feel it out from there. Yeah, and also energy as well, isn't it? You know, if you're if you're feeling a little bit tired, you're probably in a deficit. If you're feeling a bit bloated with energy, you're probably in a surplus. So you can kind of just just work it all out, can't you? But yeah, nice bit of um, yeah, nice bit of info there, mate, for anyone who doesn't want to track. Uh, Alex, before you go, I've seen these videos of pigs and they're getting their stomachs rubbed and they're sitting like dogs, man, and they're giving paws and they're fetching <laughs> balls and bringing them back. I've, I don't think I've ever seen a pig, to be honest, um, in in the flesh. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm not from a, a farm a farm area. Yeah. What's 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 a good story involving a non pet that is obviously a pet of yours that resembles pet like features, um, such <laughs> as you know, like a, a pig sitting. <laughs> Have you got any other stories like that? I bet you got loads. So many, so many. Uh, so Scarlet the pig. And we need videos as well because I want I want videos of it, and I'm going to show people this is what is going on. Yeah. So that one video you probably saw with Scarlet sitting when I was trying to rip an apple in half. Uh, Scarlet is a genius. Most pigs are extremely intelligent. Uh, most I most psychologists and animal caretakers agree that pigs are smarter than dogs. They're one of the smartest creatures on earth, and they they know what's going on and they understand what you're saying they are very emotional and scarlet is a daddy's girl so i go out there and she gets so excited to see me like she wags like a dog and she comes up and just wants me to hug her then she'll like flop over on her side for belly rubs and she'll sit there with a big smile on her face just like laying there while i'm rubbing her belly and she she knows how to sit Crazy. so you say Scarlet sit and you know you raise your hand uh like you teach a dog you say sit and she will sit and look up at you with like this real toothy grin it's the cutest thing seeing that looking up at you and then you just like drop the treat in her mouth and uh she's so smart and such a good animal uh and you know what they she was going to be killed because the previous owner who was you know breeding pigs or whatever uh, could not control her and thought she was bad and was just like, I can't, you know, this pig's uh, unruly and blah, blah, blah. So we're going to kill her. And we're just like, don't, please don't kill this pig. We will, we will take that pig. Like, and she's just like the sweetest, smartest creature. I, we can't even believe that somebody was considering that. It's total insanity. Um, she's crazy. And, and she was raised as like a house pig, like, a, a pet for their daughters. Uh, they were breeding pigs and they would like bring in the, the babies to be like house pets for the little girls. Little girls would like paint the pig's hooves red and put them, you know, make her all look oh, cute. Man, that make, and then that like, makes it even worse. Yeah. Yeah. And then the pig but, would be snuggling in their bed and sleeping in the bed at night. But then when they get too big 
and all of a sudden it's a 100 pound animal that's gonna grow to be 300 pounds and then the kid is still like 50 pounds and a kid and the parents like all right the pig's too big gotta get rid of it and this is a very common thing and that's why you see this whole like mini pig craze uh it's really been a tragedy for uh for pigs because these breeders take advantage of the mini pig uh craze going on for their kids but then the pig gets too big and they have to get rid of it and then there's like this glut of homeless pigs that are going to be put down or just end up on the streets and then they die um or they get shot or killed by dogs or something so wow. uh yeah that's how that's why i have a scarlet and they were going to just kill her so we uh we got called in about the situation somebody asked if we could help because they knew we we're vegan and that we just bought a farm and we're just like yeah, I guess we can. So we we rescued her and I stayed up all night building a pig pen, basically. And then the whole next week I spent every day just fencing off an acre pasture in our woods. And now Scarlett's got like the most beautiful, wonderful life. She's smart. She's happy. She's loved. And she's just like yeah. uh, a member of the family. She runs around all excited to see you and she squeals happily when you're around. Um, and... And then, uh, yeah, no, man. So that's just I, one example. If if people saw that, they they would probably think differently about it. I think you know, like you said, not everyone is yeah. is a scumbag. There's a lot of good people, and they just don't see it. And I, I genuinely think if they saw things like that, they'd think a bit differently, man. They're just ugly, fat dogs, aren't they? Pink. They're just ugly, fat. <laughs> they're beautiful. Dogs, what are you talking about, man? <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> that was a bit harsh. Wasn't it? I'm glad you said that though, because I was thinking of getting one, but. I didn't. I didn't realize they grow to be that big. Um, they can. And then I'd be in they trouble. Can. So I'd be. I'd be shipping it over to Florida, man. When it, when it gets to two hundred pounds. But um, uh, yeah, nah, it's and they're strong. Mate, it's good to hear some stories, man. It's good. It, mate, we don't. Yeah. We don't hear these stories, man. No, I don't know anyone who's got a sanctuary, man. And it's good to to hear it from really? the um, the horse's mouth. Uh, where Where yeah, are you located it's, it's again? We're in the middle, mate. Yeah, in the middle. Um, it's not too picturesque. It's a little bit um, suburban. Um, but saying that, we're not far from Wales, man. We've got Wales an hour or two away. So, you know, that's that's uh, quite a nice nice part of the world, nice part of the country. But, yeah, not the best here, mate. I think I'd like to move away one day. Um, if you've got any jobs going on the farm, let me know. And I'll, um, <laughs> yeah. I'll fly well, over, man. <laughs> at, you know, as our success grows here, especially with the YouTube channel... And like our fundraising efforts for the animal sanctuary, we would love to be able to start hiring people to help us here. We have volunteers that come for different events to help us with big projects sometimes. But, uh, you know, the core of the work falls on my wife's shoulders and my shoulders. And um, it's a around the clock thing every day. There, There are no days off. So like if I have to travel out of town for an event or something like my wife, like the responsibility is all on her. Um, so we like, can't leave both at the same time. Really? It's really tricky. Um, so we would love eventually someday hire help. So we might be shipping you over from the UK to, to, to sunny Florida. Uh, if, uh, if you want to learn how to, how to take care of pigs yeah. and geese and goats and ducks and chickens, Not- I never thought I'd be applying for a job that involved rolling around with pigs in uh, in the US, man. But I'm de- I'm, de- I'm definitely up for it, man. After what I've seen the last few years. But um, yeah, now nah, Alex, thank you, mate. It's been good to chat, and um, yeah, it's, it's a unique story, man. Congratulations on the business. Congrats on the sanctuary, and one day I'll come back on here in twenty years, and we'll be like, look, man, we got a we got a sanctuary as well, man. And the dream, the dream, man, is to. Uh, Raise some pigs. Nah, it's been good, mate. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Jake. Uh, I love it. And uh, I, I love your podcast. Uh, I hope uh, I hope you keep doing it because it's a very valuable thing that you're providing to the overall community, vegans and non-vegans alike. I think we need more of these kinds of discussions. And uh, I love your yes. approach to this. And I think, uh, I think it's a really great thing. So I appreciate you inviting me on here. Yeah, thank you, mate. No trouble at all, man. Keep doing it, and uh, I'll speak soon, Alex, man. Sounds good.
Cheers, mate. All the best. Thanks, Jake. See ya.